When it comes to self-development, no matter the method you use, the vital point is to practice. If you want to learn methods to transform your life and actively grow into the potential you know is inside of you, then you're in the right place. Welcome to The Vital Point. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. I'm a psychedelic integration and transformation coach, breathwork facilitator, and an enthusiast of personal growth. You have the capacity to evolve and bring your intentions and dreams into the world, and there's never been more access to so many incredible modalities that can help you on your journey. This podcast will help you learn about new methods to bring into your life, give you practices to follow, and share stories from practitioners who are doing the work so that you feel inspired to go and practice, because that's the vital point. My guest today, I'm so honored to welcome Connie Basalski back to the podcast. She's a breathwork facilitator, meditation teacher, and somatic coach who helps people heal and regulate their nervous system, improve their breathing pattern, and come home to their bodies. She's also a writer, creator, photographer, online filmmaker, podcaster, speaker, and entrepreneur, and someone that I am very honored to call a friend. Uh, she was one of the first uh, guests on this podcast when I was just getting started last year, and I'm just so uh, grateful to have her back on the podcast. So, Connie, welcome. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. This is wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we were having a, a really interesting conversation before we hit record um, about <laughs> you know your vital points of the breath being the remote control for the nervous system and sort of the journey that, you know, you've uh, influenced me through in terms of breath work um, going through, uh, you know, we met during our neurodynamic breath work facilitation training. And that was sort of my gateway into breath work is the Wim Hof breathing and the neurodynamic breathing. And I thought, coming out of that program, I'm like, wow, breathwork is this doorway into expanded states of consciousness and, you know, uh, a method to hit these psychedelic states without using psychedelics. And it's not that I've completely gone away from that, but, you know, folks like you have helped me see this whole other spectrum of breathwork that is so much more grounding, so much more um, calming. And, uh, you know, I would just love if you wanted to give a brief introduction of what you do and and how you consider breathwork and the type of breathwork that you uh, teach to your clients. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like, yeah, so many of us are on this journey. We get hooked on the the more activating breathwork practices and the expanded states of awareness that they offer us. And, and then some of us venture into <laughs> the vast ocean of just possibilities in breathwork and, and discover that there's so much more out there. Um, and so, yeah, and that's basically how my journey started as well. And um, with the breath after having tried out all sorts of modalities to deal with my depression and my anxieties, especially in relationships. And um, yeah, I was struggling for years and years and years in relationships and dating. And um, also I'd come out late as a queer woman in my late twenties. And so there was a lot of suppressed emotions, a lot of shame still stored in my body. 
and then um and then yeah finding myself in a lot of codependent toxic relationships and so having yeah having been to all the all the Joe Dispenza retreats and Tony Robbins and and having uh worked with a lot of different um psychotherapists and um and coaches and gone to all the workshops and done all the meditation retreats and you know it yeah I mean things things definitely progressed and got better but not really sustainably and I was still really struggling in relationships and and my nervous system was completely dysregulated and fried so much so that my body was really taking its toll as well and I was dealing with gut issues um SIBO and um yeah just I mean it was bad <laughs> for several years and and skin issues and yeah just I really wasn't feeling great um for several years and and then I discovered breathwork I was, I was in LA at the time 2017 maybe and um, heard about holotropic breathwork on a podcast. And then I just Googled it, you know, holotropic breathwork LA and Michael Stone came up and I went to one of his, um, intro workshops at his house at the time. And yeah, it just, that, that whole experience <laughs> just blew my mind. I mean, you know, even just entering his house and this, the sound setup that he has there and and the music that he played during the session and just him himself like it was awesome it was the best intro into the style of breathwork and uh, yeah i then eventually um found myself in bali and uh breathwork was just sort of taken off there um and i experimented with a ton of different uh styles and teachers and um modalities and and eventually decided to do uh, a training um, or two or three, actually, as it turned out in the end. But yeah, I also then ventured into um, the realms of um, functional breathing, uh, Buteyko, Oxygen Advantage, Breathwork for Performance, um, and and really diving deeper into the more regulating practices. So it, So it kind of feels like after having dived really deep into the transformational style breath work and um, explored <laughs> so many different layers of myself and my psyche and my body and my traumas um, in those sessions. And they were absolutely life-changing in so many regards and, and, and really, really, and to this day, I mean, I still have my practice. I still breathe, you know, every couple of weeks or so um, uh, and do these deep dive sessions. But um, eventually I also realized, okay, I need, I mean, meditation is great as a daily mindfulness practice, but um, I felt like there, I need a better way to regulate my nervous system. Um, and as I started to learn more about the breath and its connection to the nervous system um, and becoming more and more aware of the fact that my body's not regulated still, you know, even though I've done all these these deep dive sessions and cleared out a lot of emotional, um, stored emotions and stored trauma. Um, yeah, I felt like there was, uh, still something missing. And, um, and so I started to integrate these regulating practices into my life and just starting out with really simple coherence, breathing, um, diaphragmatic breathing and tracking my heart rate variability and, you know, getting a little bit obsessed with that sort of stuff and tracking everything. <laughs> um, and, 
and it just yeah it was a lot of fun to to explore what's out there and how i can use my breath as the remote control for my nervous system and really understanding um the link between them and so yeah just got trained in different modalities and um and today i i feel like um i, I guess yeah i think many people sort of um start out in similar ways as you just explained it and and similar along you know uh similar to my journey and and now i'm uh, at a place where my practice is really simple <laughs> um and the stuff that i teach is quite simple and and i i'm also integrating more and more of of somatic practices into my work um into my breath meditations um and having worked with Uh, myself with a lot of somatic psychotherapists from somatic experiencing and NARM and um, just really noticing um, how important it is that we, we, we find our way back home into our bodies in the way that our bodies feel like a safe home to return to um, and learning. And the breath is an amazing way. I find it's, it's a great bridge um, to find that safety and to practice what we call interoception. So becoming more and more aware of our, the internal states um, within our bodies and, and its signals and, and relearning its language um, in a more subtle way. And so, yeah, I'm, in my own personal practice, that's um, how I combine breath work and um, somatics and, um, and becoming more and more gentler, I guess, with myself. And, um, and then also in the way that I teach and, um, I run a teacher training with my partner, sort of combining all of these worlds together in a trauma-informed and nervous system-informed way. And it, the breath never, I don't know, every day is, is fascinating. There's more to learn and, and more to explore. And that's what I love, love about it. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's always more. You know, that's, that's what I felt, too, coming out of you know, our neurodynamic training, it was like, okay, I know about breath work. And then it was, <laughs> whoa, there's this whole other world, uh, like you're saying, of different techniques, different methods, and really the, um, the transformational style of breathing, the breathing where you're, you know, entering these different altered states and really being able to do self-development work or connect to purpose or um, really forcefully sometimes remove the somatic blocks or the emotional sort of gunk that's in the body. It's, it's really like um, I've come to think of it almost as the, the top of the pyramid and without mm. having those lower layers of foundation, you know, the, mm. uh, to be able to regulate your nervous system, to, have awareness of what's happening with the breath and the body. Um, there's only so much that you can do with that, you know, mm. uh, with, with that, with that transformed state. And there's, there's so much to be said about slowing down, about learning these other types of breathing. I would love to hear more about how you're um, more about the interoception and also like how you're incorporating the the somatics into your breath work and into your teaching. Because for me, that, you know, somatic work has been super, super um, influential and, and really mm -hmm. key to, I feel like, um, 
my own healing. And I, th- mm. I think there's a lot of value in, in talking about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, where to start? I think, um, as I said, in the first place, I think the breath serves as a great um, facilitator to get into our bodies. And that was the case for me you know, several years ago was, um, I was so disconnected from my body and so disassociated, um, which is why I needed these more intense breathwork, uh, practices to actually feel myself. Um, and so then once I landed more in my body and I felt safer through breathwork to feel my emotions, um, I could then also start exploring my body outside of these deep dive sessions. And, um, what really helped me was to, well, for one, working with a somatic experiencing um, therapist and a, a NARM therapist is also a somatic therapist, um, mainly focusing on developmental trauma. Um, and that in itself was a game changer because in working with somatic psychotherapists, you really got to slow down because <laughs> what we normally do in talk therapy is we talk, we, we talk and talk and talk and we talk about the story and, and we're all up here and we try to make sense of things. And whereas when you do somatic psychotherapy, you, you start talking <laughs> and you start telling the story and then they slow you down and they make you feel stuff in your body as you are telling the story. And it's really annoying in the beginning because I'm <laughs> used to just talk and, and, uh, you know, my brain works really fast in that way. And, and then suddenly they made me stop and get into my body and I didn't like that. And then they made me ask, you know, so what do you, what do you feel as you're talking about that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just couldn't, it was really difficult for me to answer these questions. And so that made me realize, holy shit, uh, <laughs> is this, am I weird? What's wrong with me? And, and then I realized, okay, this is a process. And so, um, by doing more of these regulating practices, breathing practices, um, and, uh, exploring more of the somatic mindfulness practices, let it be something like body scan right? And SDR, non-sleep deep breath protocols, um, where you're guided into different parts of your body. And you, and again, something I hated doing in the beginning. I just got so bored. I just check out after three minutes of feel your right foot and, you know, what, what sensations can you become aware of? And and, so, and I think that's really normal. So many of us just can't stay in our body. It's, it's not, we're so adrenalized and, and, you know, and the, my norm was being in a very, um, heightened state in terms of, um, activation and being more in my sympathetic branch of my nervous system activated. And then I had, you know, my, uh, it kind of went up and down and in the downs, I was in depression, shut down. And then I just don't feel anything. I don't want to meditate. I don't want to do anything. <laughs> and, but, um, so I found it really hard to drop into my body, but the breath was something that just helped me to slowly get to a place where I could eventually feel, oh, okay. I can do a bit of a body scan a little bit longer now. I can stick with it a little bit longer. Okay. I can do just observing my breath a little bit longer and a little, and you know, a minute longer than before. And so 
these days, having experimented myself with a lot of different practices, I mean, there's, there's a huge variety, but um, I mean, yes, I use practices like um, body scan for sure in different variations. Um, I also really like practices like uh, contact points. So just feeling into all the different uh, places where your body touches something else or touches itself. So for example, your eyeballs touching your eyelids from the inside when you're closing your eyes or your tongue touching your mouth and your upper palate or your fingers touching each other, your back touching the back of your chair, um, your feet touching the floor, things like that. That was a huge game changer for me many years ago now um, uh, that I learned from a Buddhist teacher of mine. And that was like the first somatic practice actually that calmed me down. I was like, holy shit, <laughs> that's just mind blowing contact points. Um, so I love that. And then uh, ah, there's so many, but in the end, it's about learning how to feel sensations in my body and, and guiding other people in how to stay with them. And the best way I find how to do it is, um, you know, let it be when we're stressed when we're um angry whatever and and there's a charge in my body and learning how to track that charge um and to be with it just for a minute or two maybe and then also another one that um i think is really really important and, and underestimated i think in its effectiveness is finding safety anchors in the body and because a lot of times when you know we focus on um, the charge in our bodies, um, which oftentimes can be really overwhelming, especially, you know, if we've experienced trauma, but, uh, finding safety anchors in the body. So places in the body that feel, uh, pleasant or even just neutral, <laughs> like just finding a spot in your body that feels neutral, like your knee or your right foot. Um, and also finding, um, uh, places in your environment that feel, uh, safe. Right. So I noticed um, that, for example, um, when I'm orienting in my space, that to find a safety anchor in my space, I really prefer fabrics like um, a curtain or um, a blanket or something rather than like a wall or a, or a, a, a lamp or something like a, a tech gadget or something. Um, and so just that in itself, like looking at the curtains and the texture of that in itself somatically gives me a sense of safety. And so those are just a few things that I use um, in my own practice and uh, my own daily life. And then um, stuff that I integrate into um, how I guide uh, breath practices and um, breathing meditations. And um, I, yeah, always, um, I don't want to make a, too much of a big fuss around these somatic practices. I just integrate them into the breathing meditations and oftentimes people don't even notice them <laughs> right but in the long run the feedback is um people feel more connected to their bodies and they can they can take that awareness from that breathing meditation into their daily life and yeah. i i could totally relate to that like and I, hearing your you know hearing what you just said i'm like oh yeah i i actually felt really good because I'm like, oh, that, that's what I do too. You know, it's not like, hey, we're going to do somatic practice, but even just slipping this little bit, you know, 20, 30 seconds, maybe a minute in before you breathe of like, 
where do you, where do you feel connected to the ground or the earth? Mm -hmm. You know, like, how does it feel to just check in with your body and feel connection, you know, feel gravity mm -hmm. pulling you down and holding you. And, you know, what does that feel like? You know, is mm -hmm. there safety there? Yes, to me, exactly. there's, there's such a, there's such a, a benefit to that, especially before you're going to instruct them and, and hold space for them, like blasting off into this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> much more uh, uh, dysregulated, possibly, uh, you know, kind of space where they're leaving their body. Um, it's, it's so, so key. And um, I love what you're talking about in terms of the, uh, you know, orientation, you know, which is a somatic practice that that I do as well. And, you know, I worked with my therapist on. And one thing about the orientation that's been interesting for me is, um, and I'm still kind of, you know, I still am scratching my head about it a little bit sometimes. Because of COVID, um, I've done quite a lot of my therapy, you know, over, you know, online rather than being in somebody's office. And so, um, literally the spot that I sit in um, and the room that I'm in where I'm doing a lot of healing and I'm doing a lot of expansion um, is a space where I also experienced a lot of trauma. Mm. And so coming, sometimes coming out of that space, there's this beautiful mixture of like, uh, you know, yes, here's this environment that I've cultivated and there's, there's wonderful things in it. And I'm also in this space where I experience this trauma. And sometimes I think, well, I wonder what it would be like, maybe I should move or, um, mm. do this in a different room and see how yeah. this would be, how this would be different yeah. because that orientation, sometimes there's like this sort of mixture of things that, uh, that come in. Um, yeah, totally. But, so, you know, just what you shared made me kind of question that made me like ponder, like, hmm, maybe I should try this in a different, that's a um, good, that's a good point actually to, to be more intentional when we do online therapy sessions as to, as a receiver sort of, um, yeah. as to where we actually do them and to yeah. maybe not do them at the desk where we work every day or right. uh, have like a dedicated space. Yeah. I think that's a, it's a really good point. I like that. And, you know, just, yeah, the, 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 it's hard to put into words for me, like how influential, how game changing somatic work has been. And even, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, you know, hearing you share about your experience, like in the beginning, just being like, oh, like, are we just doing this thing again? You know, um, and and how somatic awareness develops, you know, like I remember feeling like I had gotten to this place where I was like, maybe I'm done with this because I feel like we do the same thing all the time. And it's gone from like, well, I feel something into my in my stomach to, oh, I can I can tell colors, I can tell shapes, I can tell a difference, like I, I know that there's a difference between if I'm feeling something that I've been carrying since I was four, as opposed mm -hmm. to something from when I was 13 or 16 or mm -hmm. in my 30s, like those have different somatic feelings to me. And they I'm starting to be able to differentiate from that. 
But mm. going from that to being and being like, okay, is this all there is to, well, we don't just have to focus on the trauma and like on the sort of the negative stuff. Like what are the resources that you have to experience joy and experience mm. calm and safety? And like, what can you do to anchor that, to sit in that space, to recognize it so that when you feel it, you can like actually like almost accentuate it, breathe into it, go a little mm -hmm. bit deeper into it. Um, mm -hmm. That has been a huge game changer to me. And I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't quit when I felt like I had gotten through the trauma, you know, in air yeah. quotes, like we're, yeah. cause there's, there's, there's a whole nother layer to that. Yes. And, and I think that's the, that interoception, right. That you were, that you were mentioning as well. Like, just yeah, getting, it's like, yeah. As I as I look at the screen here and where we're recording this, it says seven. It, it's recording in seven hundred and twenty p right now, right? It's literally going from like <laughs> this pixelated sort of way of perceiving our bodies to experiencing our bodies in full HD, you know, mm. high definition. <laughs> it's like, wow, there's all these details right that i just yeah. never saw and felt before and suddenly they're here and 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 that's so fascinating to me as well as to how how much more sensitive we can become and um and how fascinating living in <laughs> full hd is when you're actually present in your body and not floating yeah. somewhere out there you know yeah, yeah and even you know like the I think the podcast is a great example for me. Um, there's there's times where I feel very grounded and in control, and like um, I feel a certain way in my body. And then there's other times where I feel a lot of I don't want to say anxious because I tend to associate anxiety with like kind of a negative thing or like where I want to change it. But where I'm sitting there and I'm noticing um, these different sensations happening in my body, um, mm -hmm. I think some of that for me is like there are certain people like yourself that like I really admire and there's like a part of me that wants to do really well and like wants you to like me and like wants mm -hmm. to... Uh, you know, be accepted maybe or and there and the way that that expresses itself uh, through the body. I had this um, I had a podcast that I did earlier this season with somebody that I really admired and was like, I was like, wow, I can't believe this person is on my podcast. Like I've I'm making it, you know, like I'm, I'm mm -hmm. this is to me, to me, it was like a step up and I started to notice like the hour before we got on the call. I started to feel this anxiety and this nervousness mm -hmm. in my body that I was like, okay, I've done like 40 episodes at this point. I know what I usually feel like when I do a podcast. Why am I feeling like this? And instead of yeah. like pushing it away, I just took a couple of minutes to just sit with it and be like, what is this? You know, like yeah. what's, what's happening here? Yeah. And that's where I came to was like, wow, like, okay. I feel really excited and I feel kind of nervous because like, I feel like this person is sort of like a big podcaster. And so like, mm -hmm. I really want to like impress them and do <laughs> yeah. well, you know, and 
it got it kept building as the moment to to get on the call with them approached and yeah. then instead before we hit record in, and i was sitting there and i was just like this ball of nervous energy and i can feel like i can feel some activation even talking about it right now you know but yeah. instead of doing what i normally would do which is just like let me keep this inside let me try to suppress it let me try to just power through it i shared it with them i said you know mm -hmm. what before we hit record like i just want to i just want to voice this like nice. I feel really, really nervous right now. And I, I, I don't know if it's because I'm talking with you and I just admire you so much. And, um, and it completely diffused the situation because mm -hmm. they, they didn't like laugh at me or be like, oh, you know, get over it. Um, they were very empathetic and very, you know, they shared with me like, oh yeah, like, I've been on podcasts like that where I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm talking to this person. And, uh, you know, it really helped me kind of ground and settle into a much more regulated state. Mm. And so there's, there's just having that somatic awareness is completely transforms the way that we experience life oh, and that so we experience yeah. different situations because yeah. um just having that awareness like allows us okay let me let me just slow down let me breathe into this mm. yeah. um I instead of yeah. you, when we're not aware of it like we might get into situations where we're either trying to to cope with it in these weird ways <laughs> or we're just not even present to what's yeah. happening yeah. So, you know, it's like we're like to use your analogy, it's like we're like looking through an old TV screen, you know, with the <laughs> snow and uh, can everything. You barely Insta see anything. Right, right. <laughs> Instead of this HD beautiful picture that, yeah. you know, we have the ability to yeah. relate to and to live in. Yeah. yeah, I can so relate to what you just shared because I just had this experience yesterday. And I mean, it's so fascinating having done all sorts of, you know, talks and podcasts and workshops and I mean, endless. And yet I, I, I still struggle with that myself sometimes. And, um, and yes, and it actually also depends on where I am in my, my cycle, I noticed, but, and, but yesterday I, and I also still have this actually when I do my Instagram lives and which I started again last week and I have one in an hour and a half or so. Um, but for one, I'm always nervous <laughs> beforehand and I always use my breath and, you know, somatic practice to, to regulate myself. But at the same time, um, really digging into what's underneath that. And yesterday was one of those days where I had this again and I was so conscious of what was happening, especially afterwards, not so much before, afterwards, after, um, this thing that I gave and, and I gave this talk, whatever. And then afterwards, as I hung up and f first I went for a walk and that was really good because I could walk off these sympathetic activating energies, right? That were still running in my body. And my, my mind knew it went really well. This was really good. People loved it. You know, feedback was great. Sweet. 
However, there's something in my body somatically that did not believe that. And it doesn't matter why it's not believing it. It just kept on triggering these sensations that made me stay stuck in my mind and keep rehashing and just ruminating. Ah, oh, I, I should have said that. And what did people think when I, when I was telling this story? And, ah, uh, oh man, maybe I shouldn't have said this one thing. And it just kept on going and going and going. And, and then eventually, you know, as I was sitting with that and I realized that it's the thoughts are the thoughts. I don't have to believe what's going on here. What's way more important is to stay in the level of my body and connect to that charge, connect to that activation. Because, right, I mean, what rumination does and overthinking and just, you know, over and over thinking about the same thing is that it keeps us stuck up here and it disconnects us from our bodies. And it's so hard to break through that, I find. <laughs> you know, still sometimes when I'm stuck up here, I forget. I'm like, oh, wait, I don't actually need to stay stuck up here. I don't need to believe what's going on up here. What's actually way more important is to <laughs> drop deeper, go into my body, see where the charges, the activation, this, what, what am, what can I, what am I sensing here? What's going on? And then just stay with that and, and track that charge and be with that. And then, the, and, and that's what I did. And there was tears coming up a little bit and I could just feel the release. And, and then I realized, wow, okay, it's, it's not the thoughts that are what need my attention at all. Cause they, they, they would just keep running and running. <laughs> They're so hard to fucking control. It's what's in our bodies. And if I just stay with that, then the thoughts will take care of themselves. They will calm down and I can use my breath as a facilitator to connect back to my body, to uh, create a, a safer space in my body to be with that charge, right? Instead of, and that's what a lot of people ask me, and maybe you too, it's like, oh, what's, can breath work heal, you know, my depression? Can, how, how, what, is there a breathing practice I can do when I'm angry to not be angry anymore? I'm like, hold on a second here. This is not about uh, not wanting something. This is not about using the breath to push something away and to make something go away and to not feel something. This is not about that. I find breath work, and I think there's a bit of a misunderstanding out there because yes, the breath is the remote control of our nervous system. So yes, we can change our state, but not to the expense of our authentic emotional expression. And I think a lot of times breathwork can be used as emotional bypassing. Oh, I'm ang I feel angry or I feel fear. I feel sadness. Let me just use this breathing practice. And so I, I don't have to feel that. Right. So I can shift my state. And, and so eventually breathwork becomes a coping practice rather than something that, um, helps us really, um, explore, what's underneath the, um, the anxiety, the anger, the depression, the sadness, the grief. And so, um, that's something that is really important to me. I think as, as a breath worker to communicate is, um, I don't make anything go away, no emotion, no experience. I use the breath as a way to make it, um, to make your body a safer place to be with what's there. 
And, um, and for that, I find breathing practices are beautiful and amazing. Um, and yes, it can be an amazing daily practice, but, um, so yeah, I find that connection between the breathing practice. And I also yesterday, that's what I used, you know, I did a bit of humming, you know, I extended my out breath and so that I could feel a bit more grounded and that made it easier for me to then be with that charge and then to let the tears come. And then a few minutes later it was done, <laughs> you know, I don't, it doesn't t take, you know, hours. Um, it's a, sometimes it's a matter of minutes, depending, um, sometimes longer, but yeah. So I love that combination. I love your share because I think it's so human, you know, to, to feel activated before an interview with someone that you really admire or to afterwards that part of us that's always wants to do things perfectly um, and to be good enough for others and to, to feel that we might suffer. Like this part of us that unconsciously feels we might experience disconnection, right? And separation because we didn't perform well enough. Like it's so human, right? And to take a moment or two or three and just be with that part somatically is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that about your experience. And mm. um, I love what you just said. What I heard was, you know, using the breath and these different practices to have curiosity mm -hmm. about what's happening in the body rather than accepting or rejecting you know, these different feelings based on, yeah. um, our, how pleasant they feel at the time, you know, just mm -hmm. really being curious and accepting about that full spectrum of the human experience and having, yeah. having the tools and the resources to experience them, you know, and, mm -hmm. and to, to work with them rather than being in this dualistic state of like, oh, this feels good. I just want to stay here. And oh, mm -hmm. this feels unpleasant. I just want to get the heck away from it because, yes. you know, it yeah. doesn't feel safe. It doesn't feel yeah. uh, comfortable. So yeah. Building I, capacity, I right? I think that's what it's all about. Building capacity in our nervous system, in our bodies to, to be with the uncomfortable, the inconvenient, right? The, mm. the, and on and on the other hand, also building capacity for joy at the same time and and uh, and pleasure, right? And so I think it goes both ways too. Yeah, I think that's that's such a good word, um, and I I love that you brought it up. Thank you because we you and I did um, a breath coaching session um, about I guess five or six months ago, and mm -hmm. the one of the biggest takeaways from that session for me, because I was like, okay, what, what should I do? I was having a lot of anxiety. I, my heart rate was kind of going out of control and it was really scary. Um, and at first I was like a little bit puzzled because you said, well, and I'm like, well, I do these, I do these slow breathing types of techniques, you know, the heart coherence or, you know, box breathing. And why, why isn't it helping? And the, the thing that really that I took away from it that you shared with me was it's not just about doing those practices. It's about bringing in the, the really slowing the breath down so that you're building that capacity within the nervous system, like getting to this place of 
where it feels a little bit uncomfortable. Like it feels like I need to breathe a little bit. And that to me was such a game changer. Mm. You know, it's not just breathing in for five, breathing out for five. It's slowing the breath down to this place of, of, you know, in the beginning, it really was uncomfortable. It was like, Mm -hmm. I need to breathe. But then noticing that capacity building as Mm -hmm. I continue to do the practice Mm. Um, and then seeing Mm. it, you know, like, oh, I can track this. Wow. Like I can see it having an effect I can not only can I feel it in my in my body and my nervous system, but I can I can see the data like which Mm -hmm. is so great right? that we have these tools (laughs) that we can use. So I really appreciate that about your approach and and what you teach. Cool. That's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, we can use practices like coherence breathing, box breathing, you know, whatever they're called and use them in a way where they make us feel nice and calm for a little while while we're doing them and maybe for a little bit afterwards. Um, But what a lot of people end up doing still is when they're not instructed properly is um, they might still be over breathing and just literally breathing too much air. And we, what we tend to do is when we slow down our breathing. So let's say, you know, on average, um, let's say you're breathing at a rate of someone with anxiety, you know, maybe even panic attacks, stressful life. It could be anywhere up to 18, 20, even more breaths per minute. Right. I see that. And, um, so then I asked them to slow down their breath to four seconds in four seconds out, for example, right. Is where I, I would start them out. So that's seven and a half breaths per minute. That is, um, less than half of what they would normally breathe. And so what we tend to do when we slow down our breathing in this way is that we increase the volume of breath. And that is quite natural, right? When we're not instructed differently. But what ends up happening is that we actually end up breathing more air. Uh, We're breathing more volume of air, which in turn has the effect that we're over-breathing. And what over-breathing means is that we're off-gassing too much carbon dioxide. Um, carbon dioxide is super important uh, to deliver oxygen to the cells, to our brain, to our muscles and organs. Um, so it's not just a waste gas. And um, and at the same time, over-breathing really is a signal to our nervous system um, in the long run when we're doing it as a chronic functional breathing pattern um, that we're in a stress response. And, um, and so... Overbreathing in most cases also coincides with chest breathing, uh, mouth breathing, you know, especially at night, snoring, sleep apnea, um, and, and faster breathing in general. And so these practices, even though meant they're meant well by, you know, the pranayama teacher in a yoga class and, and whatnot, um, they usually don't really have a long lasting effect on the breathing pattern itself. And so this is probably what you have found. And so one, when we bring in an, an extra dimension, the dimension of light and reduced breathing, meaning um, we do the same practice, let's say four in, four out, we're using our diaphragm to breathe. So, and we're not doing belly breathing, we're doing diaphragmatic breathing, right? So that means it's not just my belly that's moving, but it's like the lower two or three uh, ribs and the sides and the back um, that are moving because that's where a diaphragm's at. Um, 
and that in combination with the coherence breathing and the nose breathing um plus reducing the volume of breath so we're working up to a little bit of an air hunger right it feels like i'm not breathing enough air and it might feel like what you were saying it's a little bit uncomfortable maybe in the beginning um but once we get used to it it also trains interoception actually because you gotta find that sweet spot right and that takes a while and in the beginning which is like stumbling around <laughs> and like well where is where is that edge of air hunger that's meant to be uh tolerable and uh and comfortable but a little bit uncomfortable as well um and so eventually when we find that and we integrate that into our coherence breathing practice it's the most effective practice out there. I mean, we don't need much else, I find, to regulate our nervous system, to improve our breathing patterns. And so when we start to, to do this practice on a regular basis, it helps to, um, to generally, you know, uh, turn our breathing in everyday life into a, a pattern that's, that's more functional, that's more optimal. Um, so, um, you know, in the long run, we end up breathing slower in daily life. Um, and, you know, the effects of doing our practice on the mat will eventually have an effect to our lives off the mat. And that means a more regulated uh, nervous system. Um, and yeah, so that's why I keep saying we don't need a super complex breathing practice. Um, just got to know the right buttons and levers to push and pull and turn um, on our remote control. <laughs> I also feel like that's a good reason or a good um, sort of, oh, this is, this is why it's so important sometimes, especially when, if we're in a, you know, really dysregulated space to work with a coach, because there's mm. so many different things online and if we're not if we're not um you know as educated about the power of the breath and the nervous system like you are and um you know i i would like to think that i know a little bit um not as much as you but you know like um i think there's a sometimes like a danger of like oh well i'm just breathing like how how much how crazy could this be you know and yeah, we were talking about it before <laughs> right we were we were talking about it before we hit record about you know sort of the accessibility to really um you know activating breaths especially on youtube you know that's what's sort of getting the getting the views right is like oh have this dmt that's experience what is getting or the views yeah kundalini sure. experience and you know without um I definitely have had that experience and I've had exp that experience with clients. Um, there's, I can think of uh, someone that I was in an integration circle with and they shared that um, over 25 years of, you know, working with psychedelics and, um, you know, different altered states of consciousness, the most intense experience they had was with holotropic breathing. And actually it was very traumatic for them because they weren't expecting it. They mm -hmm. weren't sort of coached before the experience that mm. this is what could happen. And then there was mm. no aftercare integration. So they were left mm -hmm. in this sort of traumatized, overstimulated state. And 25 years later, they were still trying to figure it out and like work with that. Mm. And, yeah. um, 
you know, so there's that. And then I think on the other, on the other hand, you might have somebody that's very dysregulated and, you know, they see something on Instagram or something like that, where it's like, oh, uh, extend your exhale and you'll feel better. You know, you'll regulate your nervous system. Well, that's absolutely Mm -hmm. true. Mm -hmm. And maybe for you in this space and time and area of regulation to your nervous system, you might need something a little bit more hands-on or, you know, a Mm -hmm. little bit more personalized to, to where you're at. So I think that working with a coach is so key. If you, Mm -hmm. if this is something that you really want to learn how to um, use as a resource. Um, Mm -hmm. And I can say that even doing one session with you had so much benefit to me and my own practice and Mm. um, being able to, you know, not only, like you said, have the, uh, the difference and the experience within my daily practice, but like off of the mat as well. And like seeing the, the benefits out in the Mm. the rest of my life. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I totally agree. And at the end of the day, you know, it's, I always say that every human, because we're all on one healing journey or another, right? Or whatever you want to call it. Um, And we all have our own unique lock that unlocks the, the door to our healing or integration, whatnot. And, um, and so, but that lock requires a different set of keys. And we all have a different lock because we all have different um, stories, different nervous systems, different biographies and traumas and whatnot. And so we all require a different set of keys to open this door. And, but I think one key that should be on everyone's key chain should be breath work in one way or another, working with the breath and establishing a functional breathing pattern. Um, And then, you know, I would probably also add something like somatic psychotherapy, you know, and a good, uh, a good uh, healthy uh, anti-inflammatory diet and daily movement. And, you know, there's obviously certain things that I would prescribe to anyone uh, who's struggling in life, but um, yeah, I, I, I also think that um, in many ways, breathwork is sometimes regarded as like this panacea. It's kind of like this thing that, that <laughs> just kind of heals everything and you just need a breathwork session or 10 and, and that's it. And um, so either people go in with these really huge expectations um, and then either are disappointed <laughs> or they, um, they go in in a nervous system state and they do practices that they shouldn't be doing. Uh, people who are constantly operating in a sympathetic fight or flight mode and um, are way too much in a stress response and adrenalized on a daily basis, I don't think they should be doing Wim Hof breathing every day. <laughs> uh, and they probably also shouldn't do too much of holotropic style or neurodynamic breath work. You know, um, they should first get their breathing, their daily uh, functional breathing pattern in order, and have a, a nice, safe, regulating breathing practice in place before diving headfirst into a sixty or ninety-minute uh, breathing practice, for example. And um, 
and so and that's why I combine the both both worlds because I find so much um you know I, I found so much healing in 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 both of these worlds the transformational style breathwork and the more regulating breathwork and, and functional breathing um and so I think yes breathwork is actually it should be a very individualized practice because we all have a different nervous system we all need something that might be a little bit different um and yet yes i also run you know i run these uh, sessions on instagram um and they're all for nervous system regulation and i i run monthly um transformational style breathwork sessions the deep dives and uh, and those are group sessions as well and um and running them in a way where uh, well, I have a long list of contraindications. So do you, <laughs> um, right. And so, uh, we really want to make sure that, um, that we guide people safely into sessions whose nervous system is, is up to the, to the task. And, and also in a way where, uh, we create, um, a safe container for everybody's nervous system and that we, um, offer guidance and also instructions for integration, um, in a way that's, uh, nervous system informed, trauma informed, um, and that we don't leave people alone. And I think that is something that a YouTube video promising you a big fat DMT release and, you know, riding with the unicorns and universe, uh, that is not something that is very trauma informed. And that is, um, something where breathwork gets a bad reputation and, and also looking at some, you know, breath workers out there who get trained in a weekend to guide people into these, you know, expanded states of awareness where, um, yeah, in, in, in into these transformational experiences and, I just don't think that that's, uh, very safe. And, um, and so there is breathwork is still a wild west, right. As you know, and, um, there is, I mean, there are a couple of sort of regulating bodies trying to standardize the space in a way, but it's really hard. <laughs> um, and so there is so much breathwork going on out there. And people who don't know much about how the breath and how the nervous system works, they're just like, well, it's just the breath, right? right. How, what can go wrong? I'm like, mm -hmm. whoa, so much can go wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I'm, I'm trying really hard to, to educate people and also in our teacher training um, uh, to be more conservative in a way that is, um, you know, we still want to offer people a transformational experience, but in a way that is trauma-informed and nervous system-informed. Yeah. Does your mm. teacher training, is, is it a combination of the transformational and the functional or does it yes. lean more yes. on one? Okay. No, it's both. And so my partner, she has more than 10 years of experience as a uh, breath worker. She was trained uh, with, um, she trained with Dr. Judith Kravitz, uh, transformational breath back, back then. And, um, and then I come in with a lot of the nervous system stuff that, functional breathing, the regulating practices. Um, and so we combine the both worlds and, um, and really, yeah, um, w we set a pretty high standard in terms of who we end up certifying. And, um, because we really want to make sure that people are confident in how they guide people safely, um, and that they do their own inner work. And so, you know, in the beginning, it's a lot about just doing, yeah 
doing exactly that, doing, having, you know, setting up your own practice and, and, uh, and cleaning up <laughs> your, uh, your own inner, I don't want to say mess, but, um, just, just, you know, exploring all your shadow parts, um, before, um, learning how to guide people into theirs. Um, and we're, yeah, extending the, the training as well. Currently it's seven months and it's probably going to be nine months or 12 months very soon, because I think that's what it takes to, to really become, um, a truly trauma-informed nervous system-informed uh, breathwork facilitator and, and breath coach. So, yeah. That's awesome. Mm. Yeah, I'm curious about that myself. Um, I think <laughs> the, the first cohort that you did, was that just in German? Yeah, so the first one was in German. We're currently in cohort number two, um, which is also in German. But next year, we're um, it looks like uh, starting a um, cohort in English as well. So... Um, that's the plan anyway, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a lot of fun, um, training people. And at the same time, it's, it's challenging because, um, because we really were, we're, we're really trying to set a, a whole new standard in breath work and hopefully that will ripple out and that, you know, I mean, if there's someone trying to decide, oh, am I going to do like a weekend training or a three week or four week training and spend a few hundred dollars, maybe a thousand dollars, or should I do this training that's nine months long or 12 months long and that costs a lot more, you know, uh, hopefully that decision will be clear in the future. But um, yeah, there's still so much work to be done because it's, gosh, it's a wild, wild west out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you think has been like your, the, the biggest thing that you've learned doing teacher training and certification as what do you mean running just, them or doing my own like yeah participating? Like compared, yeah compared to being a participant and then now you're facilitating and 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 training other teachers um well i feel like i get a lot of joy out of nerding out really hard on the breath and the nervous <laughs> system and physiology and trauma and and um, that gives me a lot of joy. And uh, at the same time, what I and also my partner, who I'm running this with, what we needed to learn is for one, setting boundaries and and really finding that middle path of um, being relational and and um, and authentic in who we are in our own you know, being still in our own journeys <laughs> through life as a human and, um, and being friends with the people that we train. And at the same time, cause we, I don't like these hierarchies of I'm the leader and I know everything and, you know, and so kind of, um, leveling the field, but at the same time, um, yeah, still being the authority in terms of, um, training them and teaching them and, and, and finding and, and having boundaries in, cause currently we're training 52 people and it's, you need a lot of processes in place and deadlines and, you know, otherwise things just turn into chaos <laughs> really quickly and people just do whatever they want or they don't show up. And, and so, um, yeah, that's been, it's been a steep learning curve in a way that, um, organizing it so that every year it gets easier to teach this and with less 
um, administrative or organizational hassle um, so that we can really just focus on teaching the content and making sure that um, it's it's a fun experience because I, I don't just want to teach something to teach it. I want to, I want people to have a really good time. And, um, and the other thing was uh, more and more, and we talked about this a little bit earlier um, when I, as I was sharing um, about this experience from yesterday, my perfectionism and the, the expectations that I have that I set myself on how I want to perform and how I want others to um, perceive my performance <laughs> And that's something that it just, yeah, it's my life story, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Mine too. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of, uh, you know, sharing content, sharing practices, would you be comfortable with offering a short practice that the audience could follow along with? Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Totally. Should I do it now? Yeah, sounds good. Can write into it. Okay, cool. So yeah, let's do something nice and simple. Just um, first, yeah, connecting to our breathing and connecting to our diaphragmatic breathing, and then doing a few rounds of of coherence breathing, and see how that feels for us. Okay. So find a comfortable upright position, a straight spine, and. I invite you to close your eyes for this, if you like. And then going inside and taking your awareness from the external to the internal. Making sure your belly is nice and soft. And that your jaw is nice and relaxed. Your lips are softly closed and your tongue is resting on the roof of the mouth behind the front teeth. The teeth are not touching. You just feel the air coming in and out of your nose. Just focus your attention on the feeling of your breath as it's flowing in and out of your little nostrils. There's no need to try to breathe <laughs> or change your breath. Just feeling the air. Relaxing your shoulders a bit more, really sinking into your seat and letting your breath do what it naturally does. And then place one hand on your chest and one hand on your sternum, your stomach region above your belly button. And just notice what moves as you breathe softly and gently in and out through your nose. Just connecting with your hands to your breath having this haptic feedback. Just noticing. And then I invite you to place your hands on either sides of your 
lower ribs. And begin breathing into your hands so that with every in-breath, your lower ribs and belly expand a bit. And with every out-breath, your lower ribs and your belly relax again and deflate. Breathing into your hands, belly, lower ribs, expand. And exhaling, lower ribs and belly come back in. Nice. Just anchoring your breath in this way in your body. If you like, you can take your hands back down to your lap. Just let your breath naturally flow. In a moment, we're going to move into a few rounds of slow coherence breathing to the count of four seconds in and four seconds out while we're engaging our diaphragm which sits just right underneath our lower ribs so let's begin together after your next exhale inhale two three four out two three four in two three four out two three four in two three four out two three four in two three four out two three four and then keep breathing like this finding your own rhythm if you need to come down to three seconds in and three seconds out you can you can also increase to five seconds but what's more important than the count is that you're not taking in bigger breaths even though we're slowing down our breathing rate so we don't want to compensate slower breathing rate with bigger volume breaths. So see if you can find this edge of a little bit of an air hunger where you feel like you'd like to breathe in more air, but you're not, but you can still stick to your breathing rate, four seconds in, four seconds out. With every in-breath, the belly and lower ribs expand a little. With every out-breath, they come back in. You keep the breath moving like this couple more rounds nice and then let the breath go let the counting go coming back to your breath's natural state 
coming back to stillness and noticing any shift in your physiology. Just noticing how your body feels after just a few minutes of connecting to your breathing and slowing down your breathing. Let's take one last conscious, slow breath in through the nose all the way up. Pause for a second. And then exhale slowly out the mouth. <sighs> nice. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes and come back to your space. Look around the room, taking in your environment. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. That was wonderful. <laughs> so it's always even even with my daily practice, you know, it's always so amazing to notice how quickly we can change that state with such mm. a short amount of effort yeah simple such does a, it yeah <laughs> such a beautiful beautiful practice and mm. beautiful way to connect to ourselves mm. slow down a little bit yeah and i appreciate you offering that yeah for sure for sure it's been cool. so lovely talking with you Mm, yeah, it really has been. Thank yeah. you so much. This is great. Yeah, thank you. Um, so you mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned your Instagram live sessions and the monthly sessions. Um, where should people go to connect with you or to learn more about your work? Hmm. Yeah, I'm mostly active on Instagram. So that's breathwork.alchemy. And um, you can find everything else in the link in my bio there. And you can also hop on over to my website, breathworkalchemy.co. I also have a um, foundations course, Breathwork and Nervous System Foundations, um, that would explain a lot of the things that we spoke about today in, in a lot more detail. And it comes with a lot of different uh, breathing practices. Um, and otherwise, yeah, catch me on Instagram. I, I do uh, weekly live sessions and uh, yeah. And I run um, sort of monthly, bi-monthly um, deep dive sessions as well. And yeah, would love to connect. So thank you. Yeah. I'm going to try to make it to one of your, uh, transformational sessions too. drop in yeah right connect in that way <laughs> cool awesome wonderful well thank you so much connie um i really appreciate you sharing your experience and wisdom and practice with us it's been mm. so wonderful and like i said at the top of the the show i'm really feel grateful um to be connected to you and to uh have you as a friend it's been mm, yeah, same, such a, same. Such a wonderful, wonderful gift that uh, Michael Stone uh, yes. has given me. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, same. Uh, so much fun chatting with you. And uh, let's do this again. <laughs> Part yeah, three or anytime. four. I don't know what. <laughs> Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah, um, definitely recommend if you're listening or, or watching this on YouTube to um, connect to Connie's work. Um, it's been super influential in my life um really transformed my 
breath practice this year in some really wonderful ways and um, can't recommend her enough. <laughs> and I hope that, you know, doing this practice um, or listening to this conversation has inspired you to learn more. Uh, the, the breath and breath work is uh, such a wide open field and there's so many different ways that you can go and um, really just can't recommend uh, teachers like Connie enough. So whatever practice you're doing, I hope this conversation inspired you to do some more of it or uh, check out you know, her work, check out, um, you know, learn a little bit more about what you can actually accomplish with your breath and to keep practicing um, because practicing really is the, the vital point. So until next time, my friends, uh, keep doing that practice and we'll see you soon on The Vital Point. hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did i'd love it if you leave a review follow me on instagram at blue magic alchemy if you'd like to learn more about transformation integration and how to connect through coaching breathwork and meditation remember that regardless of the methods you're practicing the vital point is to practice